Coming up, we talk about Heim Bloom's time coming to an end with the Red Sox front office. We also talk about a highly underrated Juan Soto season before giving our thoughts on some interesting developments with George Kirby and Alec Manoa. And we also share the latest news on Shohei Otani's elbow surgery. How do you think he's going to play in 2024 and years to come? Find out our thoughts coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 109. Alex and Eric coming to you. It is Tuesday, September 19th. AJ, almost there. We are, let's see, roughly about two weeks uh, away from some postseason baseball. Uh, I tell you, it's been a marathon. It's been probably the longest season as an Angels fan I feel like I've experienced in my life, Alex. I don't know how you feel. I feel like the last two months I've been, I've just been living in some sort of nightmare. Yeah, that's about accurate. Um, (laughs) It's just every season's always ups and downs. I think that's the nature of the sport. Uh, the nature of the baseball season but yeah as an Angels fan it's been a tough go recently um, you and I are are admittedly pretty checked out of, of Angels baseball we still watch the games when they're on and we watch the highlights and stuff but um, you know it really is more about following kind of the team news and then focusing on baseball more of a big more of a big picture um, situation so Travis um, looking at some of the big picture headlines um, of the week uh, in the sport, just yesterday, I believe, or maybe two days ago, um, Adam Wainwright became uh, a 20 win career, sorry, 200 win career pitcher. Um, so, Travis, what what does this milestone, does it mean something to you? Obviously, it means something to him. He was really pushing hard for it. I, I know that he would um advocate for himself to stay in games hoping for a win uh he has had an objectively statistically very poor season um we were talking about it before we hit the record button travis a negative 2.1 baseball reference war on the season so clearly just um allowing offenses to light him up but managed to get enough wins to cross that threshold what does this uh say to you about his career um, does it change your kind of thought of his career? Um, looking at his career war, a 4-4.9, any, any Hall of Fame chance? I'm sure he'll be hoping for some buzz on that. Um, g- give me your take. And also, I would assume you're going to say no to the Hall of Fame stuff, but how long can he stay on the ballot with, with the 4-4 and the 200 <clears throat> wins? Yeah, no, Alex, that that last win he got that made it 200. That was that was basically the nail on the head. He he is he is going to Cooperstown. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I mean 200 wins. Congrats. That that's that's uh, that's a cool milestone. Not many guys can do it. Um, you know, we've always talked about wins being you know uh, not a not a great stat at determining how good you are at, on, on at starting you know a baseball game. You know, a lot of guys go out there and get 15 or 20 wins. I feel like Lance Lynn, I think at a certain time in his, in his career, he was always getting like 18 wins a season and he wasn't putting up the best stats, but he was still getting enough wins go out there to, uh, to get, you know, close to 20. 
uh, every season. But, you know, again, kudos to him. 200 wins. That's big. Uh, I like to take a little bit of a deeper dive in the numbers. Um, and this season, Alex, we've we all know it's just been all about can you get to 200 wins? Don't really care too much about your numbers. Um, I know he wants to compete and really show the Cardinals that uh, he can be a, you know, a frontline starting pitcher uh, for their rotation and hopefully uh, wanted to at least lead them to the playoffs. But it's just been a disaster, I think, for the Cardinals this year. And I mean, no offense, it's been a disaster for Adam Wainwright. He did get to the 200. I mean, definitely a good for him kind of moment. But um uh, 200 is is a number I'm not really going to be circling. Um, you know, 300 wins I think is just way more impressive. That just shows the, uh, in my opinion, that just shows the longevity uh, of your career. Um, someone like at, or I'm sorry, just someone like Justin Verlander who could be achieving that in the next couple of years. But uh, 200 wins is um, it's it's a fun and good milestone in my opinion. But Wainwright, you know, he's a he's an interesting case. He's had some very uh, impressive seasons, you know, going back to, you know, it was probably 2009. Um, there were seasons, Alex, where it, I mean, it was stretches of every single year. Um, he was going out there and giving you 32 starts a season over 200 in innings pitched, and ERA was always below a three. Um, I feel like there was a time where it was he was really battling with Kershaw as, you know, one of the best starting pitchers in the National League. Um, Kershaw, of course, his numbers are always going to be a bit better, but uh, he definitely had a very good prime. I would say he had some inconsistency in his later years. And right now, you know, this year he was it's his age 41 season. Um, only one thing was, I think, uh, on his mind, and that was just getting 200 wins. But um, I, I could definitely see Wainwright stay on the ballot for a couple of years. I could probably see him. Um, He's the kind of guy I feel like that I could see him being on the ballot for all 10 years and only like being at like 15 or 20 percent. Um, I think a lot of voters will be like, wow, you know, 200 wins. That, that That's a great milestone. Or, you know, ERA was at a 3.53 uh, career. That, that That's a really good ERA. And also, you know, he played on some really historic teams. I could see all that happening. Um, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Um, does not have a Cy Young to his name. Does have a, a about does have four top three finishes for the Cy Young. But um, I get that. That's my spiel about uh, Adam Wainwright, a good pitcher uh, in his time. And um, you know, again, congrats on 200 wins. Um, but it, it is a little bit of a uh, it does feel a little weird, kind of saying that you know for this season that the Cardinals have had and also that Adam Wainwright has had. Yeah, it feels kind of opposite of what happened with Albert Pujols last year, right? Pujols was chasing 700 home runs, and Travis, we were making jokes about it, but the way things ended up, um, he hit some meaningful home runs on a team that was making a playoff push, you know? Yep. They were a team trying to really uh, compete. Um, they ended up earning that wild card spot. Oh, no, they won the division, no? They won the division, yep. yeah. Yeah, so yep. they, were the third, yep. they were the third seed in the playoffs last year. Um, so, you know, that Pujols milestone chase to 700 homers, it really not only meant something to him, but it meant something to the team, given that, uh, those were all in, you know, meaningful games down the stretch when they ended up winning the division, but this Wainwright milestone, you know, I respect the guy for being a competitor at this age and for going out there and, you know, it, even though the ERA is not impressive to us at all, Travis, I'll still say um, to keep your body in good enough shape to go out there, it's definitely still um, a testament to um, you know his character and all that stuff. So uh, being 42, taking the MLB mound, 
um you know every every six games it's still it's still impressive in some ways but of course the the numbers um and the fact that they were not in really meaningful games since the cardinals had such a bad year um it felt like almost like a foil like a, like a reverse of, of what happened with pools last year but uh and, and maybe maybe that's why they kind of just kept on putting him out there because they thought you know in july the season's kind of over we're not really turning this ship around um adam you know, give it your last kind of hurrah. It's going to be like a retirement tour for the next couple of months. Um, you know, try try to go out there and achieve that milestone. But I mean, even looking at the numbers, Alex, uh, when you kind of uh, brushed over what he did this year, I mean, I mean, I feel like he was throwing batting practice. I mean, I, I, I specifically remember a game, I think it was three weeks ago, they were at Atlanta and he threw Acuna like an 84 mile an hour fastball, like down the pipe. And I swear Acuna lasered this thing. This, this ball probably was about 50 feet off the ground on a straight line that just sailed over the fence, um, barely made it out of the ballpark, but the exit velo was like 117, but it's just kind of like, like this is like D three pitching in college right here, probably even like decently good high school baseball pitching right here. And it's like, this is the major leagues right here, man. Like they're probably minor leaguers that are watching this and they're like, what is like, like I'm I'm pumping 98 and I'm still in double a right now. So, um, it's, again, it was a very, uh, like I mentioned, good for him, but the year just was, uh, not, not impressive at all. Yeah. I think we're on the same page. Um, but you know, I think he wanted to go out swinging, going for the 200 wins and he, he got that. So, Um, happy if he's happy about that. Yeah. Uh, Travis, moving on to some other uh, news that's kind of been taking over uh, baseball media since we last recorded. Um, this is something that I'm interested to get your thoughts on. We actually haven't talked about it much at all, but um, the Red Sox, they have uh, fired or, or you know parted ways with their general manager, um, head baseball mind, Heim Bloom. Uh, he is someone who has been in charge since 2020, 2019. I think it was 2019. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, took over after the Dombrowski era that brought in a championship, right? Yeah. 2018. Yeah. yeah. So the task uh, in my mind, Travis was very different from Dombrowski's task, um, when the Red Sox pushed for the 2018 World Series, it was off the backs of trades that brought in guys like Chris Sale, brought in big league talent at the expense of uh, uh, your your farm system, right? Yep. Like mm-hmm. they send out um, several guys that ended up being MLB caliber players. Um, so they really, I think by the time Heimblum took over, Travis, I think they might have been 30th ranked farm system in all of baseball. Um, and so basically the task for Heimblum was not the same as Dombrowski. The task was not, hey, you got to win us a World Series this year and next year. Um, I think the Red Sox had a couple straight seasons being over um, the cap. So they had you know the luxury tax thing going. And so they had to get under the luxury tax. They were, they were... You know, the ownership group was um, making that clear. And they also wanted to rebuild the farm system. Um, and in a matter of a few years, Travis, the Red Sox, without ever really having like a tanking mode, never had like a full tank season, right? Um, they've managed to have a top 10 farm now in the league, I believe. And they have a couple guys really high up there. Um, I know, I think Marcelo Mayer is a top 10 prospect by some. 
uh, different leaderboard rankings. But Travis, um, they have let him go, and I really um, am against it. I'll just put it that way. I, I, I obviously am not privy to some of the inside information about um, why this happened. I did see some quote from uh, an anonymous um what you would you call like an anonymous anonymous executive from a mm-hmm. different organization and that person said that they think that Heim Bloom is a brilliant baseball guy but was not able to um make certain decisions and um not able to kind of kind of explain like the exact vision um and so there might have been some leadership issues um where the baseball um, component of like finding diamonds in the rough, making good trades. That was all um, strengths of his, um, according to that executive. And in my mind too, I think that he, Travis, I think every last couple of seasons, we've kind of written off the Red Sox as teams that we aren't really scared of, you know, like as a, as a, as a Angels fan, we're constantly focused on, okay, Who's going to be in this wild card race right at the end of the season? We're always like, oh, we'll finish above the Red Sox. We feel pretty good about that. And the last couple of seasons, the Red Sox have have been better than us. Yeah. Um, With rosters that are, I would say, uh, less impressive than uh, what the Angels usually offer on opening day, right? Yeah. And, and, and if you look at like their team, their top war guys, you have Devers, who's like the high, um, you know, he's like the guy who's actually making big money. Um, but then the rest of their top five is Brian Bayo, who is someone they brought up um, through their system. Chris Martin, a reliever that they actually they actually spent money in the pen. So they got, got Chris Martin. And then Verdugo, who was uh, part of the return for the best trade, of course. And then Justin Turner, who they picked up, um, not for super cheap, but like definitely someone who um, you wouldn't really expect to be top five war on a team that is 75 and 76 you know they're their fifth place in their in their division travis but if they were playing in the al central i could see them winning that division honestly yeah um yeah so it just kind of goes to show um they have a lot of young talent that's exciting you know tristan uh, casas is already looking like a really really good hitter in his rookie year they have devers in a long deal he's still really young um they went and paid up big for yoshida yoshida was hitting the ball really really well he's really kind of slowed up in a big way um, I think the war is not loving Yoshida because of his defense, um, but still an above average hitter. Um, they're probably hoping for a bit more there. But I think at the end of the day, um, anyone who might blame Heim Bloom for not winning, I think they're blaming the wrong person. Um, I think the ownership group was pretty clear about trying to spend less money. Um, obviously it was part of the ownership group decision to not extend Mookie Betts. Um, I, I, I can't say with certainty, but I feel like Heim Bloom must have known that Mookie Betts was a superstar. Um, and they didn't get that much trade in return because they wanted to get rid of the price contract as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of financial stuff involved with that decision, which makes me think more about blaming, blaming ownership than blaming uh, the general manager. But overall, I'm I'm a fan of a lot of the kind of marginal moves he's made, Travis. I mean, if you just look at their roster, I feel like lots of uh, sneaky guys are 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 doing pretty well for them. So, um, I guess what are your thoughts on that move? Um, anything that I kind of missed? But um, overall, overall, I've been impressed with the Red Sox the last couple of years. I think they've exceeded 
what I expected. Um, and they, the roster feels like it plays above its above what you'd think, right? So yeah. I think that that's a tribute to what he can do um, in building a team. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, and, and he was put into a pretty um, you know tricky situation because I'm, I'm looking even at the 2019 Boston Red Sox, and that was um, uh, David Dombrowski's team. He was actually, I didn't realize this, he was the president of baseball operations and also the GM. So he was basically uh, acting as president and also general manager. And then you throw in um, Heim Bloom to take over as president. And then he has to, of course, go out there and get a GM. He got, looks like Brian O'Halloran uh, was their general manager in 2020. Um, and like you mentioned, the, the biggest decision, you know, probably looked at as just the evil villain. He comes in right away and gets rid of Moogie Betts, you know, makes the trade again, not we look back at it now and it's it's definitely a very bad trade for the Boston Red Sox considering what Mookie had done in 2018 had almost just a complete just monster season um very unique in its own uh you can make a case it's one of the best seasons in the 21st century in terms of just all around play um but you trade away your superstar and he goes on a tear finishes second in MVP uh voting in 2020 and then of course this year Mookie Betts is having a fantastic season he'll again probably finish in the top two for MVP but uh yeah I mean 2020 did not live up to expectations they were fifth in the American League East don't blame him though you know again 2020 I'm not going to be too uh down on teams that just couldn't get it going because of just how the season played out and you know having the break and you know, no baseball for three months, then, you know, two weeks spring training and then live games are being played. But um, what really impressed me was this the 2021 season, because, Alex, we went to that season and we just thought to ourselves, like, this roster is decent, but like it's it's nothing. It, it, it's not going to do much, in, in our opinion, to really, you know, strike fear in a lot of American League teams. And this team was. Uh, I believe they're three outs away from going up 3-1 against the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series and very closely on the verge of uh, of making it to the World Series that season, which, again, would have just been so impressive that you're leading a team with no Mookie. you got Kike Hernandez. you got, you know, um, Alex Verdugo, you know, Hunter Renfro, um, and, and also with uh, with Evaldi and uh, Bogarts. But um, after that season, of course, 2022, they had a very 2022 Red Sox, Alex. I remember I think that was the year they started the season 0-3 against the Orioles. And then by June, they were like first place in the American League East. They were on fire. And then they just kind of just trailed back downwards to uh, finish. I think they yeah, they actually finished in fifth place last year um, at 78 wins, which, which really is surprising because I feel like in a lot of divisions, like in the American League Central, 78 wins is probably second place. Uh, but that's fifth place in the American League East. And then this year, of course. But right now, uh, they already have 75 wins yeah. in their fifth place. They they, they could certainly be They're an 82-win yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a team that will probably finish, could finish above 500 and still be fifth place right now, which, again, it's just, it, it, it sucks to to see that kind of happen. Um, but uh, when you play in just the, the, the division that's just so good, like the East, um, you know, that's just, you have to play better baseball, but again, I I'm with you. I, I think it's unfair. I, I definitely think a lot of times GMs are just, you know, they're graded on the record. And I think there's a lot of things that go into the record. Now, of course, I know at the end of the day, you know, you could do all you can, but you're, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, you, you, you should get judged on wins and losses, but there, I think are times where you can look a little bit deeper and see, um, 
you know, this guy is actually very good for the organization. He's really helping this club uh, and pointing them right in, in, into the right direction. And also, um, you know, probably some un, um, unattractive spendings, I would think, that uh, probably led to this firing. I mean, uh, so far, you know, Trevor's story hasn't really worked out too, too much um, for them and, and, and what he's done. Um, and then also, you know, I know guys like uh, in the farm system, Bobby Dahlbeck hasn't really, you know, transpired into who they really want him to be. So um, there are some flaws here and there that you could look at. Um, but again, I, I, I do think it's unfair. Um, I do think that uh, the Red Sox probably shouldn't have done this uh, at, at this moment. I think they should definitely have hung, basically hung on to him for a season or two more. And then made the um, made the decision because you know when you are getting rid of that you're kind of getting rid of that culture and you now have to find a brand new culture to uh, to instill in, into the Boston Red Sox and so um, yeah it's 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 unfortunate he was a smart guy and um, I think the Red Sox will will de- de- definitely have to dig deep into finding his replacement. Yeah, I wonder what direction they're going to go because Dombrowski was a very clear like win now guy. Um, Heim Bloom was very clearly a developmental kind of guy, a re, you know, kind of reboot this 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 system here. Um, I think he came out of the Rays uh, operations in some way. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, I wonder which direction they go next. But yeah, looking at their uh, prospects, they have four guys in the top 100. Marcelo Mayer is ranked 11 by MLB 2023 rankings. Um, he's going to be a shortstop for them, um, if not next season, soon after. He um, is just uh, all-around monster. I think he was like supposed to go number one in like the 2021 draft. He was like mm. everyone had a pencil in as number one, but then the Pirates took Henry Davis. And then somehow he fell to the Red Sox with the fourth pick or something, but um, something like that. Anyways, um, they have um, talent in the farm system that was not, it was simply not there when Heimblum took over. They um, pretty much mortgaged the farm for that 2018 World Series and they built it back really fast. So I I, I actually saw a tweet, Travis, and it was actually kind of sad. Um, not really, but it was, it, it was, <laughs> it was just, it was a, uh, emotional i guess for some people but um some random person on twitter who i don't know who they were i'm not sure if they worked for the team or red Sox, or if they're in the media i think they're in the media but they sent a heim an email and they just said like um i don't know what they said but then heim you saw that you could see the response and he said like um yeah it's it's tough but um he's excited to see the what he built come to benefit the the, the, yeah. the future of the franchise mm-hmm. so it really it, the way he worded it it made it seem like he knows that the job that he did has been it's currently being graded yeah but it's incomplete it's still in progress yeah, yeah. we're gonna see a lot of the work that he did um in the next few years um as guys come through the farm system and i also think that you know it's a situation Travis, where they might get a new gm and all of a sudden, the Red Sox, maybe they're like a really good team in that really tough division in the next couple of seasons. And then that guy starts getting all the credit, right? But maybe some of that uh, development, some of that scouting um, should be attributed to Bloom. But um, what, what's always interesting about the Red Sox, Alex, is in this century, we've seen it. Um, they're always going to rebound. It feels like every five or six years, you know, 04, they won it, uh, broke the curse. Uh, and then they 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 win it again in 2007. 
they win it again in 2013. They win it again in 2018. And it just feels like, you know, would you <laughs> would it be a surprise if next year they just had a just really aggressive team that uh, was, you know, successful and made a postseason run? Probably wouldn't really surprise me that much just because it seems like the Red Sox go through these cycles where they they go through some really bad baseball and then they just come out on the other side and they have one special season or one special run that they're able to get to uh, to the postseason. Maybe that was their 2021 season and they just fell just short. But uh, it, it, it always is funny that the Red Sox, for some reason, throughout my life, have always been able to rebound after a World Series in the next five or six years and come back and win another championship. But if that were the case, it'd be really interesting because you mentioned Hein Bloom built this. And if he's not with the organization and let's say they were to win next year, it would feel a little bit sour, right? I mean, you basically, uh, and, and, and if a lot of the young contributors came up and were a big part in that as well. So, um, but we'll see and time will tell. Yeah, we'll see how the, how the youngsters kind of develop through that system. Uh, Travis, let's keep it rolling here. Um, we'll just go on this quickly. I don't want it to make it a big thing since it kind of it kind of came and then it kind of passed. But um, just real quickly, Travis, there was like all this funny buzz about a George Kirby comment. Um, I think he was pretty much at like around 100 pitches um, in like the seventh inning or something like that. And then he gave up like a game tying home run, like two run home run or something. Mm -hmm. And in the post game, he said like he wishes he wasn't out there for that inning or something like that, kind of alluding to the fact that he either was gassed or a pitch count thing or, or whatever it might be. But he got like kind of lit up by, you know, the media, by certain people Old who players, yeah. former pitchers were like, bro, like blah, blah, blah. Um, Kirby immediately took it back. Like the next morning, he like apologized. Like, that's not me. Yeah. Coach usually has to take the ball out of my hand. Yeah. I would give it a death grip and I won't, I won't let him have it kind of thing. So I, for me, it was kind of like a nothing story. And then the one thing I wanted to talk about is like a few days later, a different story about a young pitcher came out and I feel like it got no buzz, but I saw a couple tweets about it. <laughs> really? And I'm like, this should have been the big story. And it's Alec Manoa. Um, So he, obviously we know he started poorly. Yep. He got demoted to like, uh, the, the the single A like um, complex league team mm -hmm. where he could like do some like development and they can like tweak some pitches and put in some like some work and kind of make some tweaks and he made those tweaks he came back up he had some better starts and also had some poor starts as well and then recently a, a couple weeks back he got sent down again to AAA this time and he didn't report yeah I heard of that, so yeah. I think. I think they said something about they don't expect him to pitch again this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's probably, I'm not sure if that's discipline, if that's uh, players' unhappiness. But to me, I'm surprised that that's not that big of a deal for a team that, A, is trying to make the playoffs through the wild card. B, this guy was like, he started the game one of their wild card series last year. He yep. was their guy. Um one of their better prospects. Uh, everyone was anticipating him. He finally broke out last year and was really good. I'm just really surprised that, um, I guess this wasn't a bigger deal. I don't want to make a big deal out of it on the podcast here, but um, I just thought that was worth mentioning because I feel like almost no one talked about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, not a good look at all when, you know, you're sent down for the second time, you know, your numbers are poor this season and then you don't report. You're kind of just saying you're hanging it up for the season. Um, I wonder what kind of 
if if the Blue Jays will take any discipline actions and, you know, uh, it might impact next year and spring training. Who knows? Um, again, he is right now. Basically, he is uh, arbitration eligible in 2025. He is a free agent in 2028. Uh, so they still have him on, you know, cheap, uh, cheap, cheap contracts and deals for, you know, a number of years now. So um, he's probably a guy you, you don't want to just release and let the, you know, open uh, baseball world go out there and take his picking because who knows? Maybe I swear it, that Dodgers would just make him like. No, ace, yeah. yeah. He, Dodgers or even some other team like like a, like a Rays. Or, Guardians, or, well, actually, anyone. Rays would probably hurt him. He'd be getting Tommy John with the Rays. But, you're right. Um, but, you know, he would go. I, I could see him go to another team and, and he could be back to 2022 form where he has an ERA that's in the low twos. But um, it's, again, it, the the person the the character and the personality is it's just not a good look and 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 the blue jays have to get that figured out and you know um maybe next year in the spring training you just say hey let's start over and let's you know get this everything figured out but um you got to know that you can't just be thinking about yourself and not show up to you know triple a and everything like that you know it's it's not really our fault entirely that you are having such a poor season you know maybe you could have put in more work here and there um, I don't know the background stuff again, so I can't really comment too much, but, um, yeah, it's, if just from the fan perspective, it's just, it's not a good look because you're just looking at yourself as, you know, you're, 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 you're an eye guy or you're, you're individualistic. You're not, you're not really, you don't care too much about the team. You just care about yourself. You're having a bad season and you want to go pout and go home and basically hang it up for the rest of the year. So, yeah, you, um, you brought up a good point. Um, you also mentioned, uh, the idea of, you know, you wouldn't want to waive him, right? And that was, actually, no, yeah. that was actually a perfect transition to a different tweet I wanted to talk about from baseball doesn't exist. But I, I, was, I, will, I will comment. Yeah, I back to George Kirby really quickly. I you, you probably shouldn't say that. But at the same time, I mean, if you don't feel like you should be out there, I feel like that's a conversation you need to have with your manager. And your manager is probably going to trust you and be like, hey, like, skip. I I'm close to 100 pitches. I'm be honest. Like I I just don't feel the strength anymore out there. Like I'm not injured or hurt, but I just I don't want to lose this game. I rather go out there and get my get our bullpen out there. So again, I I think it's a conversation you have to have internally when you bring it out to the public and the media. That's just when you, you again you have to come back the next day and apologize. And it's kind of like that's a good point. There really wasn't a story. I feel like it was just kind of more about like. You're not a, you're not a, you know, you're not an adult pitcher. You're not, you're not a major leaguer man. Like you don't have the intensity. Like I get when pitchers come, when foreign pitchers come out and say that because you know back in the day, former pitchers might have been going 130 innings and they're like, you know, skip, don't take the ball to my hand. Like I got it, and then they give up a, you know, three home, three run bomb, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. you no, know, maybe maybe they should have taken the ball to your hand. But um, it, it's again, it's a story that probably didn't need to happen. But at the same time, it's you, you just got to have that internal conversation. And I, again, just keep to a quiet life and you'll be you'll be just fine yeah. that, that's a good point it is something that didn't need to be a story if the media never got a hold of that information and um the apology was it necessary i don't know but obviously um i know that he's a competitor obviously i think to be a big league pitcher as skilled as he is um as a young guy too you know so i think that he learned from it and hopefully it's Definitely. not a story yeah. going forwards but um, this baseball doesn't exist tweet, Travis. It's also about waivers. We know the Angels waived four players um, when the waivers uh, were due, and those were Lucas Giolito, Hunter Renfro, and Matt Moore, right? Yeah. And so Matt Moore and, and uh, Re Ronaldo Lopez, right? 
Oh, right. Yes. Yep. Okay. So he's not included in this tweet, but okay. yeah, okay. You, but you're correct. Um, so him, Reynaldo Lopez, Giolito, and Moore went to the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Renfro went to the Reds. And so this tweet is about those waived players. So Giolito, since being waived, has a 5.82 ERA, which is not very good. Uh, Hunter Renfro has since been DFA'd by the Reds <laughs> yeah. as of a yeah. couple of days ago, which. Um, I don't think it's too surprising. His offense has been um, trending uh, poorly recently, um, and that's why you would have him out there. Um, he has a good arm. Everyone knows that, but I think the defense, Travis, um, I was not a fan of his roots or his speed no. this year. I mean, he, game one, he made the most, he probably made the best catch of the year, but that was just a complete luck. And yes. That that was more of a... You ran a bad route. Bad, ra- bad read and bad route, but he, his his luckiness and, and miraculous glove out there just caught the ball, which, again, I, I, it's funny that happened game one. And, and from then, Alex, we, you definitely would have saw that and said, he, he's not a good outfielder, you know? And so uh, Matt Moore, the other player highlighted here, um, he was just placed on waivers again by the Guardians. Pretty much them saying, um, I don't know if they're giving up on like trying to make the playoffs. Um, Seven games out, so I pro- mean, probably done. Probably, probably about time, yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is his way to save money. They're mm-hmm. just not going to yeah. have to pay him the rest of the season. And uh, he was picked up by the Marlins, and I think the Marlins cannot use him in the playoffs if they were to make it, just based on how late they're acquiring him into the season. So... Um, this whole tweet, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because all three of those guys kind of had some level of flame out or some level of um, not going well with the team that picked them up off waivers. Travis, who was the guy that was ignored when he was put on waivers? Which angel? Randall Gritchick. Oh, yes. Randall Gritchick, since the waiver uh, declined. So first of all, he got put on waivers twice and he got declined twice no one and he, he was awful before the waivers every yeah. player or sorry every team in mlb had a chance to get him for the rest of the season as an outfield depth piece i'll admit he was hitting really poorly as an yeah. angel but since the waiver deadline happened since he was placed on waivers he has an over 1000 ops mm, yeah. so obviously yeah. that's some small sample size magic going but it's just kind of funny to me i saw this tweet today and that's just kind of shows in my mind the way small samples work in baseball, right? Like I think most of us would have said Renfro probably more viable than Grichuk um, as an outfield depth piece. It makes sense why Renfro was grabbed by the Reds instead of Grichuk, but I'm surprised that no one even wanted to take a flyer on Grichuk. Maybe some team could figure out something with this swing or maybe some team with a hitter-friendly park or whatever it might be. Maybe some team just wants that extra depth. I don't think he was earning a crazy amount of money. It wouldn't have cost owners that that much. But anyways, Travis, I thought that was kind of a funny little tweet um, to highlight. Uh, moving on, I think we can talk now about some of the uh, big players in the National League. Travis, we've been talking about the wild card race for a couple episodes. Sorry, for the NL MVP race for a couple episodes now. I have not someone else joining the chat, okay. but I do have someone else who I think is having a really underrated season. Um, and that's going to be Juan Soto, Travis. I personally think that if you ask the average, um, I'm not sure the average fan or the average 
person who doesn't really watch the Padres games and doesn't really follow up with Soto's numbers. Um, I think many people would think he's having a poor season. They probably see a 267 average. Um, they see 32 homers and they say, you know what? This guy's not worth the money, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, I am personally super impressed with what Juan Soto is doing this year. And I've seen some tweets recently, Travis, saying things like, bro, Juan Soto, he turned down Ted Williams' money from the Nationals. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. He, he turned down $400 million because everyone called him the next Ted Williams, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now he's going to make, like, what? I'm like, bro, I think he's going to... I think since he turned that down, he's probably earned more money because mm-hmm. he has shown that what he's doing, he can continue to do it. So I have a couple of tweets talking about um, what Soto's been able to accomplish. This is from Sarah Langs. Um, Juan Soto, as of two days ago, has 156 career home runs, um, and that's tied for 10th most before turning 25. And the guys ahead of him are all like first ballot Hall of Famers yeah. um, across the board, unless steroids, of course. But it's um, Mike Trout, Frank Robinson, Albert Pools, A-Rod, Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle, Jimmy Fox, Mel Ott, and Eddie Matthews. So um, Juan Soto, in terms of home run hitting at his age, is in truly elite top-tier company. And I don't really view him as like a raw, pure home run hitter, no, right? Yeah, yeah. Every year and year out, he's hovering around you know, high 20s, low 30s. Um, And the fact that he's already up there top 10 career for his age is super impressive. Also, Travis, every season of his career has had a 142 OPS plus or higher. So he really has been an elite hitter very consistently. Um, I don't think he's going to get that much MVP buzz or consideration because the offense is simply better from some of the other guys who also yeah. who also do more things. But I think we're looking at someone who should be fourth or fifth, probably maybe sixth in MVP kind of consideration. He does get on base over 40% of the time. He's leading uh, MLB in walks. 123 walks is yeah. really crazy. Um, 153 OPS plus. Um, and, and someone who is playing every single game. He has 151 games played, which leads all of MLB. Um, any thoughts on Soto? Anything? Maybe you disagree with something I said. Um, but I, I personally think that there's this narrative against him for like, oh, he's been a disappointment with the Padres. Yeah. He hasn't lived up to the hype. I think that if you actually look at some of the numbers that I care about, um, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. It, it should be his third third straight year leading baseball in walks, which... <laughs> It's it's funny. Uh, he'll be uh, he'll be having always italicized and bold numbers on the uh, on the walks on Baseball Reference. But um, yeah, I mean, again, Alex, I not really on my radar at all. But you look at his numbers and you say, man, wow, like that's actually a surprise. I mean, if you talk, if you talk, if you told me right now, you know, what what do you think of Juan Soto this year? I probably would just by not even looking at the stats and not even hearing him in the news, not even hearing anything about the Padres either. You'd probably just think like, oh, yeah, it's it's a disappointment. You know, he's not he's not doing, you know, what he did before. But, you know, looking at looking even at the numbers, I mean, he's still a uh, he's still a top notch outfielder and, and putting up those numbers. I mean. 34 is his career high right now. Alex 32. He could have his career high in home runs this year and, and no one would be talking about it. You know, everyone back in 2020 or 2021, people were talking about, you know, Juan Soto as just like 
a great baseball player. You know, granted, 2020, he in 47 games, he had 13 home runs. Yeah, he probably would have had a career high that year in home runs if he played a full season. But uh, 2021, only 29 home runs. And then 2022, only 27 home runs. But um, considering the money, Alex, I, I don't know what someone will give him now of course that 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 i think when that offer was was put out there i think it was in 2021 um when that was put out now you're right i i i think now you're now you've basically seen a huge sample size of what five or six seasons of Juan soto and now gms and you know organizations can basically take a look and see this is the kind of player we're going to get you're going to get a guy that walks a ton uh, some years he's going to have a really good batting average. Some years he might have a little bit of a drop off in the batting average, but the slugging percentage is always going to be there. So the home runs and power are always going to be there and the discipline's always going to be there. So, uh, yes, I could definitely see him getting more money than what we thought it was going to be. I don't know what that, that number was. Was it 400 and I'm not sure million over like 14 years. Or it something. was really, it, it was long. like, it, it was the whole career. And, and I mean, what, what's, what's crazy about Juan Soto is that someone could still say, let's give you 15 years because Hey, you're 20. I mean, it's, it's what's crazy right now is he turns 25 at the end of October. And I mean, to me, that's just insane to think that the, there's the, guys making their debut that are older. This than is him. when prospects are coming into their yeah. into the game, and this guy already has over 150 home runs in his career. You know, he's already got OPS plus at a 156 for his career. He's already has a, he already has a 28 WAR for his career, and this guy should be coming into the league right now. So um, he will be in the league for a very long time, or at least I anticipate him being being in the league for a very long time. But um, just sneaky under the radar, Alex. I I never would have even thought, and you know that 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 these were going to be his numbers this year. I I really have not paid too much attention to Juan Soto this year, just because I have not even heard his name in the media. But when you do take a look at his baseball reference page or his Fangraphs page, you definitely are reminded that he is one of the best hitters and one of the best players in the game, um, year in and year out. So. Yeah, I, I, I am curious to see what kind of contract he'll get. Um, he will be a free agent. Is it after next season? It looks like in 2025. So he is going to be next year is his last year. And I mean, the, the Padres have a big decision to make. If, if they want to flip him for basically getting their prospects back, uh, that'd be a kind of an interesting deal that they basically gave their entire farm for Juan Soto. And now they're going to flip him for, you know, probably less prospects because he only has a year left. But They'll have a decision to make if they want to basically trade him this offseason or if they want to run with him uh, throughout the season and see what happens there. Um, I, I think I would, if I were the Padres, I'd probably want to run with him because a, a full season with him and Tatis, both healthy, and Manny Machado, hopefully coming back on a rebound year. I think the Padres, again, they, they just got to get some certain things right and they could find themselves back in the playoffs in 2024. So they have they have the star power. Yeah, I, I hope that they extend him or offer him some sort of big offer. We agree that they have untapped potential as a team that was just for some reason not tapped into this season. But looking at the Padres, Travis, I don't really understand how they must just have good scouting and development better than years uh, past. They actually have a pretty good farm system. They have a 
According to MLB's rankings, they have the fifth prospect in baseball, Ethan Salas, a catcher yep. mm-hmm. who's in Double A, and their ninth rank ninth rank prospect in all of MLB is Jackson Merrill, who is a shortstop in Double A right now. Both those guys could probably start contributing as soon as the next year or two. Yep. So um, that should maybe help fill in some of the depth that you know might leave if you give Wadden Soto a bunch of money. And, a bunch of money and you can no longer afford maybe the Cronenworths, maybe the Grishams of your team that um, you can't offer extensions to those guys yeah. um, because, well, you, because you paid Soto. What's going to suck is, I mean, it's, they did it and, and it's not a smart deal, but it, that, that Bogart's deal is just going to, it's going to cause them so much headache it's for, the, so, for the future. It's so, it's so I, I, I mean, the money they gave Machado, I think it's what three hundred and like thirty million dollars, three hundred three hundred and fifty million dollars for eleven years. So basically, almost thirty thirty five million dollars a season. The money they gave Tatis, the money they gave Bogarts. I mean, you think about the money they would have to give Soto to keep him there. You're probably already committing almost a hundred and twenty to one hundred thirty million dollars for four players, Alex. And when you look at a team's finances, I, I just don't see how that can be feasible and how you could be successful for a very long time because you're going to have stars coming through the system and you're going to say to them i we can't pay you because these four guys are just taking are still on the money. team yeah are still on the team so <laughs> they're going to have to either save Eight themselves now um again i yeah i they have to make some tough decisions and it, and, and maybe that is going to say we have to trade juan soto because we need um more prospects or we need guys that are on more team friendly deals um that are you know ready to contribute right now so uh that will be you know that that will be a question that uh that uh is it still aj preller it is still aj preller yes. he will have to be uh he'll have to deal with this offseason because I, I i anticipate him making some big moves he'll have to and like we said um we talked about them not being able to keep certain guys if they give soto a big extension are you really gonna I mean, I assume that means you would leave, let Snell and Hater walk. Obviously, you're probably not going to extend Soto and do nothing else. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, Snell's earning himself a big contract, and so is Hater. Travis, um, another quick tweet on the Padres that I have saved here. Personally, um, one of the most just confusing situations. We have been talking about it. I'm not sure if everyone agrees with us that like. We think the Padres are like this playoff team that like really just like got unlucky. Some people, some people probably think like, oh, there's there's problems with the team or it's this or it's that. And like if there's a flaw, I really just think that this, somehow they've been getting shafted. So this tweet is from Rich Roberts. He says, um, Soto has 30 home runs. Fernando Tatis is going to have a 25-25 year. Snell might win the Cy Young. Haters ERA is floating around one. <laughs> yep. And Hasyan Kim is gonna get MVP votes. How is this team like 10 games below 500? It yeah. just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, pretty much everyone you were hoping would pop off has popped off outside of Machado. But I would almost say like Hasyan Kim has made up for the Machado production. Like you almost kind of had um a year where everything clicked and somehow nothing clicked. So yeah, um, it's really confusing. But I like we said, I think the farm being actually good i think it's like a top 10 farm Mm -hmm. in baseball that makes me think you know probably don't trade soto Mm -hmm. to reinforce the farm i just feel like um you're better off 
doing one of these contracts. And Travis, I think we're going to see a lot more contracts like this in the future, like Julio Rodriguez. He has a contract where there's a player option in this year and there's a team option in that year. Yeah. But if he gets to three different years of top five MVP votes, then the team option doesn't exist and he can just yeah. get the guaranteed, you know, 14 year deal. So like there's all these terms and conditions that kind of satisfy both parties because if the player produces, it's kind of guarantees more money mm-hmm. and the player doesn't produce, he can maybe opt out early and try to get another deal. So um, there's this kind of, you increase the complexity of that deal instead of just, you know, Hey, Soto, here's, you know, 15 years and here's the amount of money he might not want that or the, the team might not want that, you know? So, yeah, yeah. um, it gives that flexibility. Um, try- I'll, say, I'll say one and you went over it. Uh, you, we went over it, I think a couple episodes ago. It's, it's incredible. I, I think at the time the Padres had the best ERA in baseball, a team ERA right. in baseball, and they were, you know, fourth place under 500 and you kind of say to yourself you know the old saying is pitching wins championships you know pitching and defense wins championships and defensively we, we you know you you showed you shared tatisa's defensive numbers in the outfield they were historically good and we know kim and machado are playing good defense yeah, it's yeah. a lot of and grisham so it's just a lot of confusing it, it, it's it's almost just like everything all the stars were aligned but they just couldn't they couldn't get the w you know it's 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 truly uh a confusing time because you just feel like if if you said to this if, if you if you basically uh were to say all this before the season started you'd be thinking man the Padres are going to be probably 100 wins they're going to be a, a great team this year but what they've what what the product has been on the field has just been uh again super confusing because like like even when mentioned all the guys with all the all the war figures um you know guys that are you know multiple guy multiple offensive guys are going to have five plus war seasons so i mean not many teams can say that and also say oh we have one of the best pitching staffs the entire staff in baseball and we're basically uh, not even going to have 80 wins this season which is very confusing okay travis let's just do this one minute, 60 seconds. We're not going right. to do a 20 minute segment nice. on this. Let's rattle it. Yeah. Quick update on NL MVP. Last time we talked about this, I had bets. You had Acuna. Looking at their current numbers, has anything changed for you the last couple of weeks? I know Acuna actually homered today. Yeah. He's at 39 on the year, I believe. So yep. um, anything changed? Where are you at with that? Uh, yeah, my position on Acuna has gotten stronger. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mookie Betts was hurt, I think, for about a week. Um, I know he's back and uh, a couple games he's had uh, some disappointing, uh, not disappointing, but just a small sample size hasn't been, um, you know, hasn't had a home run, I think in the last week and a half or so Acuna right now, 37 home runs. I don't know if it's 38 right now. Um, like you mentioned, but he is definitely closing in on 40 home runs. That'd be a 40, 40 season stolen bases and 40 home runs. Alex right now, his averages get going higher. He has a 336 batting average OPS right now is only three points behind Mookie bets. Uh, he right now has a better on base than Mookie bets. So, um, I would just say I think my my positioning on, on Acuna is getting uh, getting higher, but he still does hit trail him by 0.4 right now. It'll be a very fun, interesting two weeks, Alex. I mean, right now it's 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 uh, some of the some of the statistical numbers are neck and neck, but uh, maybe there might be some separation over the next two weeks. But we'll see. I I, I do think I, I think Acuna still uh, for me has my vote. You asked if he. Um because he's at 37, uh, according to our, you know, these websites. But yep. he homered today. He actually homered 
twice today. So he's at 39. Oh, yeah. So he is putting up, uh, that's going to boost that slugging. That's going to boost that average. Um, he may end up winning the, actually, where is a rise in batting average? Does Acuna have a chance to catch him or no? I don't, I haven't, you know, I mean, I haven't checked a rise. A rise's he's power at, has actually been. Uh, a rise is at 354 average, so he's yeah. not catching that. But, yeah, um, yeah, no. And I don't know what Freeman's at. I think Freeman's somewhere around. Uh, Freeman is at 335. So okay. him and Acuna so, yeah. are neck and neck pretty much. Acuna got a boost today with the slugging. Um, you know Acuna, I mean, he has one home run to hit in two weeks, and he's I, th- I don't know how many stolen bases he has. Right now I'm looking at 66. So maybe he tries to just uh, uh, tries his hardest to, you know, steal four bags in the next two weeks and achieve 70 stolen bases for the season. I mean, uh, a 40-70 season is... I think um, he will do that. Yeah, 40-70 season is, um, is, is ridiculous. I mean, again, those are two stats that are completely different, and I don't want to just totally base it off of oh my god he has you know 70 stolen bases and 40 home runs that's that's magnificent but you know also looking at on base he leads mlb in on base percentage uh the batting average is spectacular the the slugging is also spectacular and right now on pace to um finish in with the with the most amount of runs scored in baseball the most hits in baseball which i mean again that, that's a boba shet award i feel like and then um also the most total bases in baseball so uh, a lot of a lot of bold italicized uh, stats I'm looking at for Acuna's line right now. Um, but again, I, I mean, M- Mookie, it's, it's, it, I tell you this, it's going to be another season of MVP voting in the second place guy. It's just it, any other year you'd be like, man, this guy has it, you know, he, he, he has it, but this year it's, it's so uh, neck and neck right now. It's kind of like almost like last year's, you know, Shohei and judge, they were on different points. Uh, you can argue and uh, you know, it, but it's, it truly is a, a very cool uh, MVP race this year, but that was longer than 60 seconds. I'm, I'm sorry. But yeah. it, it was, and that's okay, Travis, because um, it's a fun topic and we don't want to you know, sell it too short. There's just one thing about Acuna that keeps him from being the perfect candidate to me, and I really do not fully understand what's going on with his defense this year. We know he has a really great arm, um, but looking at sort of the advance so i think most people know that oh he is really fast out there he has a good arm he makes he knows how to dive you know he's not afraid to dive and stuff like that um so he should be a pretty good defender right i don't know why the metrics really dislike what he's doing out there in outfield fan graphs their defensive ranking um so this is uh all nl players uh sorted by the worst uh defensive ranking which it uh, Fangraphs looks at how good their fielding is as well as their position adjustments. So like first baseman and uh, corner outfielders are going to be less valuable than shortstops, um, for example. So the worst in baseball is Schwarber. Then it's Profar, Castellano, Spencer Steer, Joey Manessis, Jorge Soler, Marcelo Zuna, Matt Olson, and then it's Ronald Acuna Jr. is the ninth worst fielder hmm. um, by this one Fangraph stat. So, you know, this one stat's not the end-all, be-all per se, but it is really interesting how, you know, all these guys are like these slow uh, corner outfielders or these first basemen who aren't great gloves or guys who pretty much are, you know, most of the time DHing like Schwarber or most of the time he's in the outfield, but he should be DHing because the defense is so bad. But... um 
you know, I need to do some more research, Travis, for our end of the year MVP debate that I'm sure we're going to have um, once the season wraps up so I can figure out exactly what about Acuna's defense has been poor. I think I saw a Mike Petriello thread on, on Twitter where he was talking about um, some of the decisions and like the, the bad reads. I saw him let a, some balls were just dropping in right field. Um, due to slow jumps and things like that. And I think, like we talked about before, he's probably not going 100% sprint, 100% on the dive, given he had that knee injury that he wants to make sure he stays healthy on. So um, I'll just leave that at that, Travis. Um, We usually start the podcast, Travis, with Angels and Otani talk. I'm glad we didn't do that this time, but let's, (laughs) let's briefly go over that before we wrap up here. Um, because the Angels have had some recent uh, developments. And in a way, we kind of buried the lead because um, it was breaking news today that Shohei Otani got a surgery on his, I believe it was on his UCL. Yep. Um, and this is something that we kind of saw coming. We knew he had, it was injured. We weren't sure for certain if he needed surgery on it, but he decided that since his, um, What's the muscle, Travis, that's been killing us all year as Angel fans? Oblique. The oblique, yes. He had an oblique injury that was going to keep him from hitting the rest of the season. So he said, let me just get the surgery now on the elbow. So he got that done today in L.A. or might have been yesterday and it was announced today. Um, Either way, Travis, he is expecting, according to the doctor, um, being able to hit next year. Opening day should be ready to go and should be pitching the following year. And Otani said it was his focus, his main decision um, on this, you know, which direction to take um, on this matter is he wants to return to full form as hitting and pitching full time. He thinks this is the best route to get to that point. So given that information, I think it makes a lot of sense that he um, is getting it done now, not waiting for the offseason, not waiting to see if he changes teams in the offseason, Travis, um, you know, there, there, maybe there's a world where he waits and sees what they want him to do. But I think in reality, um, he knows what he wants. He wants to um, be the best player he can be, and that involves him doing both. So I'm glad he got the surgery now. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but that that was kind of the breaking news. And, and Travis, I guess that piggybacks off the more crazy storyline from a few days ago when his locker was cleared out randomly. And that was every everyone was just like angels fans should just go freaking kill themselves because they ruined Otani's career and his life and he hates them now. But um, Travis, yeah, that, that, that was quite an overreaction because I feel like in a in a span of I think ten it, hours I was on a roller coaster where it's like I think yikes, it, and then I think know. it took me about ninety minutes of like maybe even less, maybe like thirty minutes of like just thinking about the possibilities, and I came to the conclusion. He's just getting surgery on the elbow. Yeah, yeah. Like he's getting surgery on the elbow because uh, he must decide that he's out for a season, um, can't hit uh, for the rest of the season. So therefore, might as well get the surgery yeah, now. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, but you get the surgery, we know you're going to come back and be in the dugout, right? And everyone's like, you know, maybe not because he's cleaning out the dugout. But of course, the next game, Travis, after cleaning out his du- cleaning out his locker in the I dugout. I think it was that, yeah, like that that next. I, maybe I maybe I saw it in the morning hours, but I think it was that night that it was the whole news was hitting. You so, know, someone's like it was hitting the fan. You know, it, it, he's in the dugout. Someone someone was like he uh, 
he threw his like water bottle in the trash. Like it's yeah. over. I was like, yeah. it's like, what who cares? He's got another one at home, doesn't he? But anyways, he was in the dugout the next day. I have a picture on my phone, Travis, of him smiling in the dugout the next day. Just so in case anyone anyone tries to chirp at me, I can yeah. just send that to them. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. You know, um But I, I did I did fall for one uh one guy on Twitter or someone on Twitter put, I think a lot of people fall for what you're going to say. Well, I, they posted a video of him like arriving in yes. Tokyo and I was like, Oh my God, like dude's just done with the angels and done with MLB right now. And he's going back home to Japan. And I'm like, it's called the fake news. Trips. Exactly. The fake news. And I, I fell for that. But, uh, yeah, then, then you see that then, you know, you got to always hear what the, um, I just, I looked at what, the, of the comments and someone's like bro looks like way too skinny this has to be from like four years yeah, ago yeah yeah he's not jacked like he is now but um yeah i i um you know it, it definitely makes sense all now i think today or yesterday or today he came out and you know said this surgery was successful i'm happy it happened the one thing i don't want to see is him coming next him doing some sort of rehab assignment and you know coming in next year and saying you know even if he's not with the angels but coming in next year and saying like, I can, I can pitch and hit still. And then you look in, you know, the month of May, he's out in on the IL with, with another elbow injury. No. You, know, you might as well just get all that cleared up now and say, listen, I'm going to hit next year. I'm going to be putting up, you know, silver slugger MVP type numbers uh, at the DH spot. But uh, you'll have to wait for my pitching until 2025. But when it comes to 2025, you know, I should be back to my, you know, Cy Young form, which is what everyone wants to see. Uh, and and uh, and watch with Shohei. What what definitely gets interesting now is what happens in twenty four and what does the contract look like. You know that that's going to be the big question mark. Is someone going to just say, "Screw it, we're still giving you top money. We're going to sacrifice a year of no pitching in twenty twenty four, and we're going to see you in twenty twenty five? Or um, does someone say, "Hey, you know"? We want to see you for for one season. Uh, we're going to give you one year deal. We're going to give you fifty million dollars, and then after that, you know, um, well, we can see what what we can do after that. So again, uh, Shohei, I think it, the, the the ball is in his court. I think he's going to get both offers. I think he's going to get great one year deal offers. I think he's going to get great ten year deal offers. So um, what what is what happens this off season will be interesting, and in how he he wants to go. Um, or what's the next chapter in his life if he wants to stay in Anaheim or if he wants to explore, you know, other other areas around the MLB. So, uh, but at least it was good to see him, uh, you know, in the dugout smiling with teammates uh, after what seemed like, you know, Armageddon for, yeah, for it, Angels fans. Yeah, it was definitely um, a crazy spam and all those reports were coming out. Um, also... You mentioned what he might look like next year and year after. I'm very interested interested to see how his offense does next season, assuming he doesn't pitch at all, because I feel like he struck this great balance and he obviously has to be like a workaholic to keep both yep. um, hitting and pitching uh, in top form. Uh, I'm sure he's going to continue to be a workaholic through the rehab. I'm sure he's going to, you know, have more success, more successful years to come after the surgery, but I am interested to see, you know, as a hitter and a full-time DH, I I don't think he's ever had that light of a workload. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. he has I remember one time our pools when he was an angel earlier in the contract, not towards the end there, he said something about like I think it was him and he said like it's 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 almost like he prefers uh to play first base and it helps his hitting because um laziness and like sitting on the bench for three innings kind of 
may affect his hitting. Yeah. Right. And it's almost like you're sitting there thinking about that at bat and it almost yeah. kind of gets in your head. If, yeah. you're, if your only job is to hit four times, five times a game and, and you know, you're not doing any of the fielding or the pitching. I, I it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Otani handles that next season. I'm sure he's up for, it. I don't think it's going to, you know, throw him off in a huge way, but um, there's been years in the past before he really broke out in MVP form where the hitting might've struggled a bit. Um, especially in years where he was not pitching as much. I think or, 2019, he was only 2019. He was only um, he was only hitting that year because I remember in 2018 he suffered the elbow injury and had to get Tommy John. Um, right. I think he still hit the end of 2018. It was still you know fantastic, just hitting. Um, uh, 2019, 2020, Otani were those are some growing pain years. Um, 2020 specifically, I think he had. Uh, below 200 batting average and like a six year rate. I, I think he only I think he only pitched like two innings because he, he pitched one one game and he yeah. had like ten walks in a starter. It was it was and he and, had some nightmare outings. Yeah, and so that was a year where I feel like he they shut him down as a pitcher and that was the short season. So he had like you know six weeks of being just a hitter and and the numbers weren't good that year. But um, ever since then, Travis, it's been um, just impressive outing after impressive outing. Um, Last thing on Otani here, I did read something about the UCL injury being, according to the diagnosis uh, before the surgery took place, they said that it was um, one of the best case scenarios in terms of the injury was not where the repair was made on his previous UCL surgery. It was more towards the base. Travis, we are not doctors, but the doctor did say apparently that's better because now they don't have to repair something that was already repaired before because that's probably much harder to heal if it's you just have like this kind of scar tissue there. So um, my my non-medical background, I'm just going to say that that's a good thing that the doctor was, that the doctor was optimistic about it. Um, and yeah, I think that hopefully we see a full recovery. I mean, some guys who've had Tommy John Travis, they don't come back the same. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, I feel like his velo never came back in, uh, his, his nasty stuff never came yep. back at all. Um, ho- I think Otani, you know, not to say that Thor didn't work hard in the rehab, but I think Otani's rehab work ethic, I think he is up for the challenge to return to top form. Travis, when all this, uh, was buzz was coming around, around this Otani thing, um, the angels also had a quote on their front office. It wasn't even a quote. It was Bob Nightingale said that he, he heard that the angels are not saying that they won't trade trout. And and it was like the stupidest worded thing. Yeah. About I, in my opinion, Travis, I am biased. I'm an Angels fan. I I've always loved Trout, so um, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm neutral here. But I I just felt like it was the biggest like non-report report. Like, bro, you just pretty much said that like the Angels are not gonna not do something. That you're not saying they're gonna do it. You're just yeah. you're just yeah. you're just kind of beating around the bush to make a headline that like immediately when that goes out, right? The second that quote comes out from Nightingale and in whatever article he wrote, like he knows that's going to hit MLB's official Twitter account's going to tweet it. Yeah. Fox MLB is going to tweet bait. it. Every podcast <laughs> Twitter account is going to tweet it. And Every, we're talking about it. <laughs> and here we are like a week after the quote happened that we're still talking about it. And Travis, um, I think I know what you're going to say, but give me your thoughts on when you saw that. Do you think, the Shohei stuff of or the way this season is ending um, has, has any effect on Trout's future as an Angel? 
Um, how do you see their relationship? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see their relationship being tainted at all. Um, I think one last thing I forgot to say, Trout said that he's going to have conversations with the front office this offseason. I feel like they do that, they do that every offseason, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and, and every year I think he has conversations with the front office and, and probably Artie and just seeing how – you know, how this team can compete. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't see this trade happening for a lot of reasons. I think also the, the finances of it, the numbers on it, um, finding a team that's suited to take on this kind of money and probably dump, you know, uh, a, a chunk of prospects for a guy like Mike Trout, who, you know, has hit the injury bug the last couple seasons, hasn't trended in the best direction when it comes to injuries. So, that is always one concern you look at, but I, I also see, you know, Mike Trout signed the massive extension with the angels. He's built a family, you know, in Newport beach, Southern California, and, you know, basically leaving that to, you know, go play probably in another state and, you know, another, uh, time zone, you know, I, I would definitely be thinking it might be on the East coast. Maybe that's something that he really doesn't want to do and doesn't really want to, you know, think about. So I think, again, it was just one of those things at the timing. It's like, you know, Otani's gone, you know, I know every single baseball fan in America will give, you know, 99.9% chance Otani is not signing with the angels this off season, but um, I'm giving it Travis, what's your percentage? Cause I, I, I know we're both higher on the odds of Otani staying like the chances of it happening. Yeah. If, if, if you said, are they a top five contender in your mind or just top 10? Yeah. I, I top 10 easily top five. Very, very, very likely. I, I think there's just still that homegrown like love for the organization that Otani definitely feels. And there have been quotes out there that Otani even said, I want to win with the Angels. I don't want to, you know, I I came here to, to do one thing. And maybe you take it personally and maybe you say to yourself, and same thing with Trout, you know, really I'm running away from my problems. You know, I'm running away from this team. I I basically, I, I swore, <laughs> I, I took it to oath that I'm going to take this team to the playoffs. And, and maybe you get looked at as kind of like, oh, well, well, you ran away from the Angels. You couldn't fix that mess. But you know, I know there's a lot more other things you can definitely talk about with the Angels and, and the front office and everything. But um, I, I think top five de definitely could be. I, I'd have to take a look and see, again, what teams really do make sense. Um, but, you know, top 10, I, I absolutely think the Angels are a top 10 team right now uh, for, for getting Otani because I know – um, you know, again, I, I think there's also a side of Otani that is, he's, he's very, you know, sentimental and he doesn't, he, he, he loves where he plays and loves where he lives. I, I think there's that side that possibly could play into effect. Now, of course, that means, you know, he could be definitely drive 50 miles, you know, on 50 miles North on the five freeway. He could also drive, you know, 60 miles South on the five freeway to San Diego and say, Hey, I love where I live. Well, let's play for another organization only, you know, an hour and a half away. But, um, with the whole trout thing, you know, I think he is a, you know, an angel for life kind of guy. And also, I mean, that would probably be the one of the most upsetting deals of my lifetime, just because I, I just feel like trout is, is the guy he is Mr. Angel. He is, you know, he's going to own every single offensive, you know, stat probably in his career, I would definitely imagine. So, um, it, it, it it's again, good job 
Bob Nightingale, you 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 got us talking and you got millions of other people talking. I'm sure DMs were going crazy about that. And and MLB was posting about it. Fox Sports Baseball was posting about it. So uh, you definitely did a good job sparking all this interest and all this all this hype around it. But I don't see it happening. Um, I, I don't see Mike Trout leaving. And, and if you know, if he doesn't leave this offseason, you know, it's another year older. And then it just becomes again, do you want to trade a guy that's going to be getting older and older and older and making that much money? And I know a lot of teams um, are not going to want to do that. So uh, that, that that's the one reason I definitely think um, it's just it's not going to make sense. But yeah, yeah. and, and I, I think that Artie Moreno is opposed to Especially if Otani leaves, and then you're going to trade Trout. I don't think that makes any sense. Your your, your face of the franchise is you know Ohapi and Neto, and Artie is a huge marketing guy. And right now, Artie can't market those guys. You know, they're they're, they're nice pieces, but they can't market those guys. And I know there's so many of those Angel fans that are you know saying let's trade them all, and Neto and Ohapi are our captains, like that kind of thing. But it's like I love Neto and Ohapi. I, I love them too. But I mean, if those two guys are our captains and those are our our two leaders, like they're great baseball players. But there's a lot. Are, are, are we winning anything? Like no, no, no they they that, are, that, that would be a full rebuild. I don't think yeah, Artie's going to go yeah, that path. No, no, especially with him saying I want to keep the team. I don't think Artie has. He's never had full reboot, full rebuild in his uh, in his bloodline. So. That's why I definitely think he is, you know, in on Otani, in on keeping Trout, and um, again, we'll see what happens. It could be a wild off season. Um, last point on Trout: we there's always people who saying he should go back to Philly. He loves the Eagles. He has history with but, Philly. But even Philly, I mean, I, I I think one of my one of one of the guys I work with told me that too, and I was like, look at Philly's balance sheet. They they have to pay Trey Turner. They have to pay Bryce Harper. They have to pay Castellanos. They have to pay so many guys. And so I, I'm almost looking at it as like... Noel's going to be a free agent. And like, Noel's going to be a free agent and Wheeler, Wheeler will be no, a free but agent. I, but but well, I'm saying like... It's a lot I, of money that I, I don't like, think Philly can, you know... Are they, are they going to really send us a bunch of prospects for Mike Trout and then like let those pitchers walk? Like, is that going to be yeah. a winning strategy for them? Travis, you and I love Trout, but his trade stock has never been lower at the current moment. Yes, yeah. Given his recent injury history, there was some decline in the hitting this year, even though I do expect him to bounce back, figure things out, make tweaks. Um, there could be some level of injuries catching up to him, age catching up to him. It could just be a slight decline in the contactability. Um, he still has that power, of course. He's still going to be a home run hitter and he's still going to have a good eye, but there might be more swing and miss in his game. Uh, going forwards if that's the case I really don't know what kind of offer the angels are going to get for him so it's like the report that the angels will listen to offers or whatever it was like I don't see the angels accepting anything um, short of a haul for trout and I'm not sure who's giving up a haul for trout who's coming off um, some pretty substantial yeah. uh, three straight seasons frankly of uh, missing significant significant time um, I sincerely hope he's an angel for life um, but that being said, you and, know, and, yeah, I know the big the big thought was, well, we just need to get the contract off our books. But then it's, you know, it, it, it getting that off our books is great, but you, you, you're not selling Rendon. You know, you're still having that contract on your books. You're still having so many other contracts. So, I mean, again, it's kind of like then what are we going to do? Have a rebuild with a bunch of free agent signings. That, that's that's really worked for us in the past. You know, you just you got to. You yeah, got to think that way. You it, know, I, it, I don't I don't think that's a smart decision. But yeah, yeah if, if you want to say Trout makes, you know, 30 whatever mil a year divide that up between a few different free agents like how how is how much better is that team going to be 
um, than just having Trout uh, continue to be a guy. I mean, even even in his worst season, a stone all star. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that we're pretty much in, in, in agreement on how we view um, those two guys and and kind of the Angels going forward. But we'll kind of hold off on some of those conversations for the off season. I I truly think a lot of it comes down to just Artie's unpredictable mindset. Um, there was some report also like someone close to Artie says that he doesn't, he's never heard Artie talk about selling again. You know, I don't know what Moreno's plan is, but his plan, the one thing I do know is that if he's going to be owning the team, he wants to win and he yeah. wants to win soon. He is older. He knows that he's not wanting to own the team into, you know, his like mid late eighties and nineties and stuff. You know, he wants to win soon and I don't think he's going to go through a rebuild. I don't think that he's going to if 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 Otani does sign elsewhere, I don't think he's gonna trade Trout. And then, you know, I think he 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 showed this year that he actually is willing to spend money. It's about doing it wisely. Yeah. Um on the right guys. So maybe we'll, maybe spending I I mean, I mean this has been the problem for the last three years, maybe the last ten years, but I mean I don't know what it's gonna take for this team to stay healthy. I I, I just don't understand some injuries again they happen and it's it's a shame but they happen but oblique you know the the word we've heard 15 times again i think the angels for the second or third straight year lead the major leagues in number of uh players getting playing time in the entire season i think it was like 62 players alex or 68 players saw the baseball field for the angels this season 68 different players i i again i, I think it was in i knew it was in the 60s i don't know exactly which number but that's just incredible considering the team we had that was just very you know uh compact on opening day and we knew okay this team is definitely going to be you know a much better product than what we've seen in the past you know jonathan vr you know juan lagaras playing outfield those days should be over but Again, we, we just find all these guys. And, and the big question, and the big part of it that I loved was getting more depth, getting major league talent that if guys go down, we already have someone to come in and play that position that has played that position for a number of seasons. But I, again, I, I just don't know what to do about this whole injury bug. It, is it just like, it's, it almost feels like a curse right now because I, I don't know if, if a new medical staff is really the answer and i i don't know if a new trainer is the answer you know it's it's it truly is a i i don't know how to solve it but it's 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 a concern and it's been biting us in the butt for the last three years now i feel like it, it's definitely a concern and um it really annoys me when people are like you know don't make excuses blah 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 it's like bro if you just look at our injured list this year it is so beyond crazy. And some of it, I agree. Like, I think the medical staff, you know, find a better way to stretch their obliques because Neto <laughs> yeah, missed time on yeah, an oblique. Yeah. Otani missed time on an oblique. Like, it's 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 a recurring thing. But, yeah. Travis, if you just look at, like, some of the freak stuff, too, I don't understand. is still. I don't understand how Urshela fractured his pelvis running to first the, base. The Urshela is still. Someone please explain that the, to the, me. That, that's surprising, not just for baseball, but for sports. I mean, you see football guys that don't even go through that kind of injury. And this guy did it just by running. <laughs> he tripped over first base. He literally, like, there's no contact. I, again, I, he, he didn't get tackled by by TJ Watt. No. <laughs> he, he was running to first base and tripped on the back and uh, fractured his pelvis. I, I, I truly don't understand it. I, maybe they just need to be taking 
drink milk every night. This team needs to have a glass of milk after every game and strengthen those bones because I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Other freak injuries. Ward, I'm just, I, mean, yeah, I that's, can't. That's unfortunate. Getting you know? getting yeah. bean in the face is just such a fluky, unfortunate thing that um, I hope he's, I mean, I, I've just heard nothing about it since it happened. Like, I, I, I just know I, he's be out for the season, yeah, but like, yeah. Like, is he going to be good for next season? Like, like what? What is the update? Is he even you know? alive? I mean, <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's, it's sad. And then Travis, Chase Silseth has been out on a concussion for a month now. Almost, yeah. he got beaten in the head what? from a first baseman throwing the ball to third. Remember? What? 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 Who are they playing? Um, are they playing the Blue Jays? Oh no, I think it was the Braves. They were in Anaheim. They were in Anaheim. They were. It. No, no, no. They were. They were somewhere else. No, they were in Anaheim. I could have sworn the fans were like, he got some very like mixed emotion fans. I I I could be wrong. Were they in Philly? Either way, they were in Philly. It happened in eight twenty six. No, no, no. They were in New York. They were in New York. It was against the Mets. Take that to the okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was against the Mets because I remember the fans were like, "What the hell just happened?" I mean, we literally just saw a guy just get rocketed by his own first baseman. Who was it? Crone or or cabbage? That was cabbage, I think. <laughs> cabbage just gunned it to third base, trying to get a, a runner, trying to take an extra bag. And I mean, these are the injuries that I know the Angels at the time were like, the season's over, and you it know, was a double steal situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, bro, like, how did our pitcher get nailed in the yeah. head? And so he's been out. And then not to mention Otani, UCL, oblique, Trout, handmate broken. Uh, Travis, just like last week. Uh, the Mr. Iron Man of the Angels last like three seasons, never been hurt once. Luis Renjifo tears his bicep. It's like, what on earth is going on? I mean, tear a bicep. Again, I I, I don't I don't know how you, you do this stuff. And, and, and You know, Kyron Paris tore a thumb ligament? I didn't even know that. It's like, there's yeah. just like, it just, the amount of, that this happened, that happened <laughs> three days ago. <laughs> it happened on Friday. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I mean, what's, what's, What's crazy, Charles? We didn't even talk about Rendon. Who there's this whole controversy. I was going to say we should talk about Rendon because that that was that was pretty incredible. Like we we th- that that should be like he a, gave a no lawsuit. He gave like no updates for two months. Nor nor did the team. We just heard deep bone bruise. Then he's saying, "Oh no, it was broken." And how have we just not heard this? And Angels didn't report it for like three weeks. And like, do you know what Nevin said? They asked Nevin about it, and he's like, "Broken bone bruise. It's the same treatment. It's the same. He he's out. That's all you have to know. He's out." It's like yeah. that is not information that helps us at all. Like I know he was out. Like he was out even when he was starting because he was awful. But I mean, I I don't. Yeah, I I I don't know how you don't have that information for the public or for you know the media, which is we have <laughs> we have mul- multiple Tommy Johns in the bullpen. Mustakas is on the injured list right now. Travis M- Mickey Moniak's on the injured list right now. Oh, Mickey! Oh, damn. Travis, Chris Rodriguez has been on the 68-day IL since October October of 2021 on soldier surgery. <laughs> I really hope he... Travis, he, he, was, was, he was electric. He, he yeah. was so fun yeah. out of the bullpen, and I think he could be a starter I, yeah. at some point. But Travis, I don't think the listeners want to hear us whine about these guys. Even Bachman, uh, shoulder inflammation, like who is healthy on this team? Um, and we never saw uh, who's the guy that threw 103. Joyce pitched today. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I I truly have he, not watched he, the game in a week. So he, yeah, yeah. He he is back after missing a lot of time after an electric start. I saw him get out of a jam. Um, which of course the game got blown anyways. But let's let's wrap up that conversation of the Angels. <laughs> um, I think the listeners are tired of hearing us rant, but we both agree 
this team needs to be healthy or else it doesn't matter how much you spend. It doesn't, yeah. matter, it doesn't matter if you keep yeah. Otani and Trout and add Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve and everyone else if you guys can't stay on the field. So, um, And that's not always on the players. Um, sometimes it's just unlucky. We hope for better injury luck going forwards. But, Travis, that's all I had for this week. Um, I think that we did a good job there wrapping it up in a timely fashion. I think next week will be a good good coverage on probably playoff previews and postseason matchups. We'll get a better idea yeah. for the wild card right now. I mean, um, the NL's still tight. NL's still tight. Philly looks like they're going to be a wild card team. They're going to definitely probably make the playoffs. They have a four game lead right now in the wild card. And then right now, you basically are looking at Arizona half game lead over Chicago and Cincinnati, and then Miami a half game deficit um, behind Cincinnati and Chicago. So it's it's really it's really fun right now in the National League wild card. And then the Giants are only two games back. So if they can get uh, you know if they can have some 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 hot baseball over the next week they could find themselves probably in that mix and then of course the american league the american league west is so fun this year but you know the a's and the angels have just been a complete you know nightmare so far this season but you you definitely are seeing some really fun baseball the divisions up for grabs and also some wild card spots are up for grabs uh, which which could be really fun. And, and Toronto is a team that could really play spoiler for that third American League West team right now. So um, a lot of a, a lot of fun baseball, I'd say, is uh, is is happening right now in both leagues, which which is cool to see. Yeah, we'll probably do a, a deep dive onto the playoff implications um, in our next episode because there will be not that much, not that many games left. Yep. Yep. Um, you, you mentioned the AO West. Um, Angels and A's kind of sitting out and I was going to mention the Spongebob meme where it's Squidward looking at his window at Patrick and sort of having fun but Travis you didn't watch Spongebob as a kid no, which is just which is no. just uh, I think listeners might agree with me my, that my mind was uh, was was too much was too full of family guy you know at a very young age so you know that, that explains a lot about uh, us explains but, my personality today yeah but uh, listeners if you made it this far we of course appreciate you so much um, another episode coming at you guys next week We'll talk to you then. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>